Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via our YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief for recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast app. Welcome back to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. My name is Jack McLean. I'm the host, and in today's episode, I interview Jordan Stairs. Nicknamed Geordie, he is the strength and conditioning coach at the West Coast Eagles. He has completed his PhD on subsequent injuries in elite Australian football, the role of athlete training workloads, and the risks encountered during return to play. Highlights from this episode, how he got his foot in the door at the West Coast Eagles, Geordie's PhD, how he came up with the research and his motive for, to complete an AFL club, the importance of having mentors and driving your own craft as a coach, practical tips for footballers wanting to improve their athletic development. For those wanting to join our online program, we have a seven-day free trial. Head to Prepare Like a Pro and join our email list to receive this free program. Let's get into today's episode. How you going, mate? Hi, mate. Uh, yeah, not too bad. How are you? Yeah, going okay. Thanks for jumping on. No, thank you for having me. Well, we'll dive right at the beginning, mate. Um, at what age did you discover you had a passion for strength and conditioning? Um, so I was probably uh, in my first year of undergrad. Um, so I, I went from school into, into sports science, uh, being a fairly active kid and um, avid rugby player and just not really knowing what I wanted to do. Um, went through my first year um, and then I actually was sort of kicking the can around in the summer um, and heard about an internship that was going at the Western Force and being a rugby boy at the time. Um, I was like, oh, that sounds like a good way to sort of spend my summer. Um, so I emailed Brendan Appleby, who was um, running it at the time, um, and they'd actually closed the, the application. Um, but he said, look, we're running this workshop for failed applicants if you want to come down. So I was like, okay, went down. Um, and it was really there that it, um, him and Charlie Higgins um, really sort of got me pumped about it and said, look, if you want to get into this industry, this is what you've got to do. So um, from then on in, um, yeah, I started um, emailing a, a whole bunch of clubs, um, Australia-wide pretty much, to come and get some experience. And, and yeah, spent my uni days doing that and then got into it when I finished. Yeah, nice. That, that's a good touch by um, Brendan and Charlie. So it was Charlie, the, the head S&C, and, and Brendan yeah. was the HPM? Yeah, uh, Charlie was, no, it was the other way around. Charlie was uh, HPM and and. BA was, um, yeah, running the strength program. And what did they run the workshop on? Yeah, it was mainly, uh, it was all the stuff that most people get told sort of when they finish uni and start looking for a job, like, um, you know, experience valued over qualification. You need to put yourself in front of um, people, start training some people and that sort of thing. Um, you know, read widely, uh, those sorts of things. Just I'm not sure what it was necessarily about it, but there was something about that particular session that really resonated with me and I um, sort of, yeah, resolved to actually put some effort into it um, from that day on, which is, you know, um, I'm pretty fortunate that that happened in my first year of university as opposed to, you know, when you've, when you've graduated and you want to actually start earning some money. Yeah, absolutely. And once the penny dropped it, that you were pretty keen on working in elite sport and you got some advice from, from the guys doing it, um, what did you change? How did you go about um, working towards that goal? Yeah, so like I said, I emailed uh, pretty much every 
every club, both elite and sub-elite in the country um, that summer and said, look, I'm on my uni break, keen to get involved. Uh, didn't hear back from too many. I uh, got a lot of no's from the ones that I did hear back from. And the one um, that took me on was uh, West Perth, who were actually the Waffle Club just down the road from my house at the time. So that was ideal. Um, went down and started getting some experience there. Um, got a job at the uni gym, um, just training punters. And, um, yeah, just started, started yeah, getting in front of people and, and sort of applying my trade and, um, yeah, going from there. Fantastic. Uh, it's the, the rapid fire approach. You, you get you put yourself out there enough. Someone's going to say yes. That's it's good for the uh, S and C's listening in. Um, and don't wait till your final year. That's that's itself. Like, yeah, I still find now when I go to email someone, um, that or like send them a LinkedIn message if I'm trying to connect with someone in, for facility use or something that I I actually have a historical message from 2011 when I <laughs> sent them a message saying I want to come down. And you do, um, you cringe a little bit with what you said. <laughs> oh, it worked. Um, and, you know, for the, for the S&Cs listening, you mentioned the practical skills that, that um, Charlie had mentioned. Um, is that why you started working in a gym at your uni? Yeah, just, um, yeah, both from like uh, so-called soft skills, like um, just communication, but then also, um, you know, actually making a few program decisions. Um, you know, problem solving on the fly. If you know you've got clients with a injury or back pain, or uh, you know just don't want to do it for whatever reason, yeah. um, you know how to deal with those situations. Even though um, they might start, they might be sort of may seem a world away from what I do now. Um, a lot of the um, a lot of the um, you know key themes are the same. And what what did you do once you once you started working at West Perth? What what did your role look like? Yeah, so I was pretty much just your your, your standard um, uni student intern, um, you know, picking up cones, helping out in the gym, putting plates away, um, but also um, at the same time, um, you know, working with the guys there. At that time, um, Jared Wade, who I think is now at the Rabbitohs, he would just come over. Um, so I got plenty of opportunity to pick his brain um, and he really um, helped me out, like, you know, let me let me actually coach in the gym and, and stuff like that, which is um, you know pretty valuable. Looking back at it, and how did you go? Like you mentioned, you played rugby. Um, how did you go? Sort of learning the, the game of football, working with the athletes, quite a high level as well. So how did you go with understanding the game? Um, for yeah. instance, listening, that's yeah, cross codes. Yeah, it was a bit of a learning curve at that stage because um, I hadn't, I hadn't even watched the game at that point, so. Um, I knew roughly sort of that they ran a lot and, and that sort of thing, um, but obviously um, completely different physical demands. So um, it was a little bit of a learning curve and also the culture of the sport is quite different as well. So um, just being exposed to that. Um, but, yeah, picked it up quickly enough. And you've mentioned a couple that have helped uh, shape your career early days. Are there some other mentors that have helped you get to where you are today? Yeah, so after that, um, so BA's uh, stayed as a mentor um, since that time. Um, and then uh, from after I was at West Perth, I interned at, at West Coast. So um, uh, Glenn Stewart, high-performance manager there, he's been um, probably my biggest mentor for, for the last nearly 10 years. Um, uh, really helped me out and helped me get my current, current role. 
Um, Warren Coford, who's um, also at West Coast, has, has been a great help as well. Um, and then, yeah, just there's, there's several people along the way just here and there that, that help you out with specific areas. Um, too many to name, and I'd probably miss a few, which would get me into trouble. Yeah, yeah. But they, and, they, would, be, they would be the main ones. Yeah. And, and you mentioned West Coast. So how did, how did that come about from West Perth to West Coast? Yeah, so um, I um, the next year went around, and at that time, um, West Coast had a, a relationship with um, UWA, which is where I was studying. So, um, like an internship came up there, um, or a prac placement. Um, so I applied for it, and Glenn had actually still had my resume from the year before when I'd sent all the emails out to um, every club. He still had it from then. Um, so they, they took me on as a student. Um, I stayed there for two years, did my honours there, um, and then just stayed in touch over the, um, the next few years after that um, while I was, I was out in other roles. Awesome, mate. Uh, so that email, um, yeah, worked a treat. Yeah. Very good. Oh, there's, there's a, good, a couple of good messages there for, for the uh, developing uh, S&Cs listening, so putting yourself out there, number one, and, and doing it early. And then working on your soft skills, uh, like you said. Looking back now, if you were um, talking to your younger self, would you have done anything differently? Um, I probably would have phrased some of my original emails a little bit differently. Um, but um, no, I don't think so. Like I, I think probably the one thing maybe I would have said to myself is um, I think early days, a lot of um, young uh, coaches fall into the trap of you know wanting wanting the, um, the big-name team or um, the shiny logo. Um, and I, th- I think you get probably more out of, like, grassroots level, whether that be and – and I did end up doing a, a fair bit of this sort of stuff as well, but, I, you know, I could have done a little bit more earlier, which is, you know, um, coaching uh, 13-year-old netballers or, or whatever it is, grassroots level where, again, you're working on your soft skills and, and having to make those, those programming decisions. Motivate, negotiate as you go. So um, don't don't just um, hang your hat on the logo on your shirt and actually get out there and, and coach and make decisions. Yeah, and and for the developing footballers listening in, um, you've you've worked with those athletes for for a few years now at, at like you mentioned the grassroots level, semi pro, and now elite. Um, what are some important physical traits to to work on at a young age to handle handle the games, the demand of the game? Yeah, well, I think uh, nowadays there, there is a lot of services out there for young footballers. So um, the, there's definitely a, a better strength base coming through. So that, so when I first started um, in the AFL, a lot of our, our draftees were, you know, I had never, never even sniffed a weight before. So um, that's certainly changed now. Um, so they, they're coming to us bigger and stronger. Um, and and more durable. So bear in mind that's who you're playing against. I think you'd want want to make sure you've got a decent strength base going into that level. Um, but I think more importantly than that is just um, having consistency in your attitude towards training and a, taking a real professional approach. Um, the way the AFL is going is um, similar to the way of American sports where you know, uh, players are getting more time off. There's there's less hands-on time. So you've got to be uh, a bit more responsible for your own training and, and sort of really um, be accountable for yourself as an athlete. So I think 
your attitude, professionalism, um, and elite elite habits are probably uh, the most important thing you can develop at an, at an early age. Yep. And when you're working with a younger athlete that um, needs to work on that space, what's what's a good way to go about it? Is it focusing on one habit a week? Is it a month? Like, what's a good way to sort of develop those lifestyle and and mindset? Yeah, skills? I think it, I think it's. Um, uh, it's a combination of education. So obviously there's an education component. Um, you don't know what you don't know. So um, making sure that, um, you know, you've got the, the tools for recovery, um, good sleep hygiene, good nutrition habits, um, and then just trying to, f- to find uh, what works for you. Now, you're not necessarily going to work that out as a 16-year-old, but you can start trying to, f- um, you know, a bit of trial and error with some of these things and, and see uh, what works for you um, so that you can actually start forming what, what I would call an elite operating system to then, you know, carry you through. Um, because, because the thing is, um, when you reach the elite level, um, you've got a range of players in a, in, on an AFL list. So you've got 40 different players from 40 different backgrounds who are different ages. Um, you can't necessarily rely on just um, cut, cut and pasting someone else's elite operating system. So, for example, if you're, if you're a first-year player um, that gets drafted into our club, um, just copy and pasting what Josh Kennedy does is probably not necessarily going to be the best thing for you as a developing footballer. Mm-hmm. So you need, to start, um, you need to be like a sponge, take in all the knowledge, um, recognise that you're not an expert at this stage, um, but try, and, try things out and, um, and see what works for you. Yeah, I love that, mate. Yeah, the, the individualised approach, it's so important, isn't it? And then encouraging the athlete to almost have a filter of what's relevant and what's not for them. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Great great message for the young athlete. So going back to your journey, so you got that foot in the door at an elite club. Um, you mentioned they brought you on as a student. What did that look like? What did a typical week look like? Were you doing some work outside of the club as well? Yeah. Through the week, yeah. Yeah, so that was my third year at uni. Um, and then... Obviously, um, I met Glenn. Glenn um, had his own business at the time called Athlete Performance Academy, which was um, basically trying to deliver um, elite-level strength conditioning programs for community-level athletes. So um, he employed me there um, and got me involved um, coaching uh, some the Netball WA Academy girls. So I did some work with that. Um, I also um, started working with the Golf WA um, Academy as well. So um, I was doing a bit of work through there while finishing off my sort of internship, um, did my honours at the club. Um, and at that time, um, Stacey Rosman, who was the coach of Netball w- the Netball WA Academy, became the fever coach. So um, she took me on there along with Liam Warwick. Um, so we worked, we worked there for the next, um, the next couple of years. Um, and then I'll, then I'll sort of finish with, with West Coast. I was just working uh, with API, um, doing West Coast Fever um, and a few other things here and there. Um, and then I got a call from, from Glenn um, the following season to see if I wanted to, um, to come back and work. Fantastic. What a journey. That's awesome, mate. It's amazing how it all comes back as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, so that original touch point with Glenn was one of those guys that got the email because he's been there for record-breaking years, hasn't he, Glenn? Yeah, he's been there, uh, I think, 92. 
was his first year. So, um, yes, going on nearly 30. Yeah, great mentor to have to, um And what about his academy? How long was he – did he have a performance centre for? Yeah, so um, he had that up until uh, last year uh, yeah. when he sold it to me and Liam. So, oh, really? Congratulations. Um, yeah, so that's uh, – it's, we've now rebranded it as Athlete Alliance. Um, yep. Yeah, and we're just um, running out of uh, Wesley College here. So we've, we've kept on the same spirit that we had before, taking on junior coaches and, and putting him in front of um, development athletes and trying to mentor them and upskill them and get them, um, you know, get, get the athletes better, but also get the coaches better as well. Yeah, sounds like a great great fit for, for the athletes and the coaches. So Athlete Alliance, uh, what would be the best way to get in contact if you're an athlete or, or if you're a coach? Yeah, so um, through our website, which is www.athletealliance.com.au. Yep. Um, also, we're on Instagram, which I think is athletealliancewa um, cool. and Facebook, or um, email at admin at athletealliance.com.au. I'll, um, I'll put them in the show notes, guys, listing in. Fantastic, mate. So, yeah, you've had some um, good experiences across different sports. Was that your in, intention uh, or is that how sort of things eventuated through your strong networks and, and doing a good job at club? Sound like some opportunities came. Did you sort of seek those and wanted to early on work in different sports or was it something that just sort of naturally? Um, it's a little bit of both. Um, like I certainly, I certainly didn't pigeonhole myself to one sport um, and think, Oh, I want to work in the AFL. I want to do this. I, I, um, I just sort of took every opportunity that came my way. I said yes to pretty much everything, um, which at times was to my detriment because I was a little bit, um, you know, time poor at times. But um, yeah, I just just took everything that came my way, and it's amazing what um, if you do that, what sort of pops up. So um, I'm really thankful. It's it's given me a great opportunity to, you know, work across different sports with different athletes and. Um, yeah, you know, pick up knowledge that way. Yeah. And you mentioned you completed your honours. At what point did you start looking at doing a PhD and, and what was your um, motivation behind starting a PhD? Yeah, um, so I started my PhD uh, in 2015 and my motivation was probably the worst motivation you could ever have for um, starting one. So at the time I was working at Fever. Um, I had a little bit of work through um, APA, um, but FIBA was taking up a lot of, or I wanted to keep putting more time into FIBA, but being a, um, uh, where they were at financially, they, didn't, they couldn't pay me that much. So worked out that I could get 30 grand from the government if I started a PhD. Um, so that's, that's, that's basically what I started. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, and then I stuck with it for five years. Yeah, that's still a good effort getting it done in five. Someone was telling me the other day it's average elite sport 10 years or something. For Yeah, I can, I can see how that would happen. Um, so what you mentioned that you were busy, but it, but, but it was important for your work capacity and to get to where you are today to do that, you didn't regret. How did you manage yourself? And did you speak to mentors about time management or was that just a skill you're you already quite organised and straight? Take us through how you manage your work. And um, yeah, I would, I would certainly say I wasn't organised. Um, but I, I had a I had a pretty good reasonable capacity to just like go from one thing to the other to the other, which yeah. caught up with me at times. But um, I, I sort of had a bit of an attitude of like oh, I'll just say yes and then try and work it out afterwards, which you know I wouldn't necessarily um, advocate because it got me into trouble a couple of times. But 
eventually I got into a little bit of a flow. Um, and yeah, Glenn, Glenn helped me out with all the, um, the APAs side of things, like he knew everything I was doing. So um, I ended up doing my PhD through the club anyway. So um, they, I, I sort of said, look, this is what I'm thinking of doing. Um, and he said, well, you can do, do your research here if you want. Um, so they both from the research side of things and the work side of things, I had a bit of understanding on that point. So I could sort of, um, you know, again, spend most of my, as much time coaching as I could. Yep. And talking about challenges in your career, what, what's a standout challenge or one of your biggest challenges where you um, learned a lot? Um, well, I think probably the last couple of years has been uh, challenging in a number of respects, um, you know, trying to navigate a, um, a COVID minefield in the AFL, you know, constantly changing government rules, AFL rules. Um, you, you sort of go into it with uh, a philosophy on, on how things should be done and what's best practice and suddenly you're faced with a, a situation where um, those rules don't apply anymore and, you know, you're only getting your schedule a couple of days in advance. Um, so I guess that has um, – it leads you to then create new rules or like, oh, well, this is, this is what is really important. And maybe some of the, those other things we used to stress about, we don't need to stress about. And maybe some of them we did stress about for good reason and we really should be, you know, trying to optimise them. Yep. Yeah, it's such a good point, isn't it? Because especially, well, from the time I had an AFL, it, it's quite strong to not copycat but do what's, what worked in the past and, you know, success leaves clues. So if that's working and it worked in that program, let's adopt it. Um, but if you never, if something's working and you never saw why it was changed, you weren't there at the time that it changed. You don't know um, the strength on that philosophy and, and principle and all those methods and why they're adopted. But as soon as you take them away, you can learn pretty quick why they were put in in the first place. Um, but that's interesting that you mentioned that things were um, also on the flip side, potentially not as important as you thought. What what would be some standouts that aren't as important as you originally as the well, team? Yeah, I think it's more that you just you just learn uh, what your capacities are. So, um, you know, if you if you'd ask me, um, you know, eighteen months ago whether you could play four games in twenty days, I would have said no way. Um, yet we sit here, and um, you know, seventeen clubs have done it, or eighteen clubs have done it, and. Um, yeah, although I wouldn't say it went off without a hitch, you know, there, there are a number of athletes who can do that and learning, you know, um, what sort of athletes can tolerate that better than others, um, that sort of thing. So I think that's where the, the real learnings come. Yeah. And, you, you know, clearly you're at the top of your game with completing the pinnacle in, in the academic world, PhD, and, and working in uh, elite sport. But what's a way that you upskill your methods now? Um, what's one of your favorite? What's some of your favorite ways to keep yourself better or, or strengthening your, your craft? Yeah, um, I actually I read a lot outside of um, strength and conditioning nowadays. Like, uh, what really fascinates me is um, sort of decision making processes, and um, you know uh, how we we take in and analyze information and then action that. Um, so, you know, reading from from other spheres. Um, you know, Daniel Kahneman, um, Annie Duke, those sorts of uh, thinkers that sort of 
because uh, we, we deal in a, a real uncertain world, particularly in elite sport, um, where we make a lot of decisions based on probabilities. Um, sometimes we, um, you know, we know what goes into the, um, the probability and the environment's certain and sometimes it's uncertain. So um, how, to, how best to sort of navigate that and make good decisions when uh, faced with those circumstances. Yeah, that's sort of what I, I I reckon in the last probably year I've spent more time reading than maybe um, sort of X's and O's X's and O's strength and conditioning stuff. But I still um, I still obviously try and keep up to date with as much of the the current research as possible. I sort of go through um, phases of like just concentrating on an area, whether it be like blood flow restriction. I'll just like read up on it for a week and just read everything there is. Um, then ask myself, am I going to change my current practice? Um, and if I am, then like just change it. And if I'm not, then I've just got the information stored in the back of my head somewhere and um, then I'll move on to the next thing, which might be, you know, uh, hamstring eccentrics or something like that. Yep. And um, for those listening in that aren't too aware what a high-performance department looks like, what's your role at West Coast? And um, just take us through how many physios you guys have and, and strength coaches, strength and conditioning coaches. Yeah, so, so our current structure for this year, so um, we got the Godfather, Glenn Stewart, at the, at the top. Yep. Um, so Glenn is not uh, really hands-on anymore. He, he is truly a manager, so he manages us. Um, from a personnel point of view, and he asked the questions. Um, we have Warren Coford, who would probably be called the high performance manager at most clubs. So um, he, um, you know, uh, is in, accountable for the whole program. Um, under him, you have um, two strength and conditioning coaches, which are myself and Carl Wheeler. So um, we are generally, um, you know, writing and implementing most of the. Uh, the program. So um, I generally do most of the strength and power. We also do most of the rehab, but um, we all do a bit of everything. Um, we've got one sports scientist, uh, Jared Heisman, uh, and then we currently have two physios um, who are Mark Finnecane and Steve Bravina. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I've missed anyone. Um, oh, we have a head, tra- head trainer um, who is also sort of like a, a medical administrator. Uh, Chris Gruner-Wardner, she does, um, takes notes in the medical meeting, arranges scans and um, sort of does all the medical admin. Awesome. And as a department, how often would you guys um, have a meeting formally? Like obviously there'd be a lot of dialogue back and forth. but Yeah. Um, it, it's actually probably one of the things we want to get back to. Um, we, would, we would meet uh, currently this season probably uh, twice a week. But historically, yep. we would have met a lot, a lot more frequently than that. Um, you know, sort of three or four times a week. So um, one of our, our review items for going forward is that we actually want to get back to that because we think that's one of our real strengths is our um, the knowledge within our group. So we actually want to try and um, get back to that. But it's obviously pretty hard with yeah, um, you know, staff cuts and everyone's a bit busier than they were before. Absolutely. Well. Awesome, mate. We'll have a quick drink break. Here's a short clip about our academy, guys. And then if you've got any questions for Geordie, just use the chat box to send through. I can see Sky Haslam's uh, sent through a question. We'll get to that. And Troy Jones, one of our academy members, will jump on and ask Geordie a couple of questions. 
anyone's thinking about uh, joining the Prepare Like a Pro Academy, I definitely recommend it ever since I've joined it a few months ago. I feel so much more motivated, more fitter, more stronger, more supportive as well. Some of the things he gets you, gets you doing is great for building up your capacity, muscle mass, injury prevention, everything you could need that you wouldn't even think of if you were making up your own plan. So Jackie's a nice fellow, he knows knows what he's doing. Just flick him a message, he'll get you set up, no worries. He might even get you onto a few giveaways, a few free trials. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. Welcome back, guys. We'll, we'll start with Sky's question. Uh, right, what would your... What would be your most recommended recovery aspect that should be implemented in young athletes and why is it so important? Um, okay, thanks for your question, Sky. Um, I'm probably not going to go too left field with this one um, and say um, sleep and nutrition are your big rocks. So um, basically everything else is a, is a one percenter. So um, making sure that you've got a good sleep routine so that um, you know, you're getting eight, nine hours a night uh, where possible. Um, and then making sure that you're, you're eating well. So a, a good diet um, that's, you know, got sufficient energy to, to fuel your activity, um, protein for recovery, um, and just, just having good habits from that way. In terms of any other um, sort of recovery modalities, I'm a big believer in sort of finding what, um, what works for you and what makes what you enjoy the most. Um, you're probably getting more benefit out of just having a routine around recovery than any particular modality. So, um, for example, David Joyce always used to say, if you hate massage, don't get a massage. Um, find something you enjoy. So if it's, if it's going to the beach with your mates the day after a game, then I think that's probably the best recovery you can do. Awesome. Great question, Sky. I'm going to try Troy, but, but his screen's playing up. Can you hear us, Troy? Yeah, sorry, um, my screen, I think it's my internet, um, so the screen's not working. The camera's on, but um, can definitely hear you guys. Okay, uh, we'll shoot through, mate. You've got the, uh, you've got the floor. Awesome. Um, hey, Jordan, uh, my question sort of related around training um, or amateur athletes. So um, at the club I'm at, you know, it's still a high level and there's still some really talented footballers, but, um, you know, they're working five days a week, footy's not the main priority but it's still definitely um a big focus in terms of their like training loads and um their strength sessions what would sort of be your recommendations um mainly pre-season at the moment because our season's been knocked off but what would sort of what would your focus be for someone like that that doesn't have the access to train as much and spend as much time at the club as a professional athlete so my biggest advice would be um don't try and shoehorn an elite athletes program um into your program you can you can make your program you know elite within the constraints you have but don't try and take an afl program and put it in where you you know you're doing two or three sessions a day because you're just going to end up putting yourself in a hole so um it might just be small things like um picking your your on legs days and then you you're doing your your on track sessions and then you're doing your leg weights straight after uh, physiologically, you know, it's not optimal, but if you do it with intent, you're still going to get good benefit out of it. So um, that would be my recommendation. Make sure that you're getting enough recovery in because my uh, experience with, you know, athletes who are in that boat is they generally go overs and on top of that they're doing work which might be, um, you know, manual in nature. So um, they actually end up living in this sort of, 
low-level overtraining state for forever. So um, make sure that your recovery is prioritised so that you're actually getting bang for buck out of what you're doing um, and not just um, plugging away for the sake of it. That's awesome. Thanks so much for that. Do you, do you have another question, Troy, or is that um, answered? Uh... Oh, the only other thing I was sort of going to touch on is like in terms of the actual strength sessions, do you tend to focus if your lead times and the amount of sessions do you have um, are you focusing more on compound sort of movements? Are you focusing injury prevention sort of movements or, you know, a bit of a mix of everything? Yeah, so for, a, for an AFL player, I would definitely have um, a couple of big rocks that you're really focusing on. So um, your main leg lift, which um, my, I would advocate, is just whatever you feel most comfortable loading up with so you can actually get a really good force production stimulus. So whether that's a, a box squat, or some sort of squat variation, whether it's a trap bar deadlift, whether it's a, some sort of split squat variation, any variation that you're, um, you're comfortable that you're going to load up on and actually get a decent stimulus out of it. Um, make sure that you're getting some sort of eccentric hamstring loading, so um, both hip and knee base. So whether you go an RDL and a Nordic or um, an eccentric leg curl, a weighted slider, Curl, something like that, um, and then you know for your for your upper body, um, a push pull, and then probably some injury prevention stuff for your calves and adductors. That would be sort of the big rocks approach I would take. Um, and if you could get that in twice a week, then you you're probably doing better than most. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Fantastic, Troy. Thanks for jumping on, mate. Great questions. We'll speak to you soon, Troy. Sounds good. Thanks, Troy. Thank you. All right, we're up to the uh, get to know you, the person side of things. So it's less S and C. These are just a bit of fun, mate. Um, so, Jordy, what's your favourite movie or TV series that's impacted you, and why? So this could be anything, nothing to do. With- Ooh, uh, well, my favourite movie would be Django, uh, undoubtedly. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's uh, moved me. I was thinking it's kind of like pretty badass, but. Um, <laughs> Yes, does that does that count? Yeah, hundred percent. I think I might rewatch Django. I've sort of forgotten about that one. That's a ripper. We need a list. Um, favorite inspirational quote or life motto? Um, inspirational quote. Um, I think I actually don't know the exact quote, but it goes something to the effect of um, that victory is not in the battle it's in the long arduous preparation beforehand it's something to that effect i've got it written down somewhere but that is probably one quote that although it's not punchy probably i think reflects um you know the the grind and consistency that is required that eventually you know will shine on on one day whether that be grand final day or something else like that um that makes you appreciate it yeah, my favourite visual is like the, you know, that iceberg theory of success. So to get, you know, yeah. to use the water, it's all that groundwork that you do that's unseen. Um, like you've talked about today, like the things you do away from the club in front of the athlete. Awesome, mate. Uh, what makes you angry? What, what, what gets on your nerves? What's, what's your pet peeves? Oh. Um, this can be related to your work. So if anything, yeah, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> um, when, I, when I walk into the gym that I've left tidy when I've left and it's suddenly a Pixar again, um, that really shits me. Yep, fair enough too. <laughs> How often would that happen? Uh, pretty much daily. 
Oh, no. Uh, what's your favourite way to spend your day off? Um, oh, I generally like to start with a, um, a coffee, coffee somewhere and then um, depending on what the weather's like in Perth, I either a, um, a hit of golf or, or down the beach and, um, yeah, catch up with my mates, mum and dad, something like that. Yep. And um, COVID-free world, where's your favourite holiday destination? Cool. Um, oh, I do love the US, so West Coast of the US, I reckon. Yeah, mate. Very good. Oh, we'll start to wrap it up. Thanks so much for jumping on and, and sharing your journey and, and what's worked for you and your learnings along the way. It's been um, fantastic. I know I've got a lot out of it and no doubt the athletes and coaches tuning in have too. Um, what are you excited about for the for the rest of the year ahead, mate? What? Um, well, I'm acutely excited to get out of quarantine um, and be able to go for a walk, walk my dog. Um, and then, yeah, just being able to take a bit of a, a, a break and refresh and, and then get in, stuck into pre-season. Yeah, but is, the, is pre-season being planned yet, the, the starting dates? I imagine in Perth you can pretty much have confidence around your structure. Yeah, uh, we, we know when we're starting um, and that's about it at this stage. So um, we'll see how we go from there. Awesome. And Athlete Alliance, so, so you guys have been looking after that for longer than a year now. Um, you're in Wesley. What's what's a typical day look like there for you coach down there? Are you more sort of overseeing the facility? Yeah, so I um, I oversee a few coaches. I do take the old session myself, um, but um, it really depends. At this time of the year, we, we're quite busy, so we're just about to ramp up um, a bit of an off-season um, like football prep program for, for um, you know, some waffle colts and, and any winter sports that want to get a bit of a jump on pre-season. Um, so just putting that together um, and then we've got our, our regular regular um, sort of members that come down and train um, on in the evenings. So we, we run sessions every evening of the week except Friday and, and um, yeah, it's just guys from different sports coming in and, and trying to get better. Fantastic. Yeah, we'll, we'll put in your details in the show notes. But, yeah, thanks again, mate, for jumping on and hopefully we'll catch up at some point. Yeah, for sure. Thanks very much for having me. Awesome, Judy. Love your work, mate. Catch you, mate. Thanks. See you, Judy. If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content, such as a Q&A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian at Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. And then game changes, yeah, game changes, whatever that might be. And look, it probably keeps me in a job, but that it does drive me insane because yeah. sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes. And, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete. Yeah.
Yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with Academy member Rama Davies, the friendly conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome, Rama, to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us, awesome. so he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And, yeah, thanks, um, thanks Sam, for the chat. It was uh, I found it to be really insightful, plenty of gems in there. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my, my question to you was you spoke a, a, quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did uh, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm. Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it yeah it certainly yeah has been massive for me now, and and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is is gratitude. I spend a lot of my mm. time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts doing a, a journal every day just a bit to say what I'm grateful for sort of three things. And um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to, yeah, like reset and, and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about, you know, that there is more to life than football or, you know, might be whatever as an SNC coach, you know, if something's if you're having a hard time, um, it can be massive with just, yeah, opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that, in that work bubble. Um, yeah. So that's, that's been huge. Um, I think I wish back then when I was younger, I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm. I think I was a bit single-minded back then and, um, you know, I thought there was one way of doing things and, um, if I kind of didn't have that fear of, you know, asking a silly question or fear of judgment, it would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker, um. And, yeah. and, yeah, like just, yeah, being open to sort of different things because um, you never know what you might find. It's just, yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.